I feel like it's been a while. No. Sure is nice having our volunteers back up and running, especially Cheryl. <laughs> and Seven. Seven's awesome. It is. So Carol Torrey also spent about like 30 or 40 hours this week working on our back. So thank you, Carol, for doing that. Uh, she did all this. Those hearts are usually things I have in my car, so she just grabbed them out of my car because I like how... <laughs> No, that's not true. So, so Carol, thank you so much. It looks great. And it, it was almost, it's pretty much a year ago today or this weekend that we came out to visit for the first time. So, um, so we're celebrating that, and maybe you are too. I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't. Just, tell Robin. <laughs> yeah, they should be. So this is Punxsutawney Phil. Phil's a groundhog. Today is Groundhog Day. Now, for a long time, I would say Groundhog's Day, but then I started research for the sermon, and I realized the error of my ways. So, this is Punxsutawney Phil. Phil's a groundhog. Today is Groundhog Day. And that guy looks a little like Jeff Bridges, doesn't he? Today is Groundhog Day, and... Does anybody, first of all, know how to spell Punxsutawney? Here, I want to give you a chance. Pop quiz yourself. There should be some Connect cards underneath, and I know based on the Connect cards that we get, you're not filling it out otherwise, so go ahead and use that. <laughs> Try to guess Punxsutawney. Anybody that thinks they're a spelling master, no, nobody's going to try it. Fear. Fear of failure keeps a lot of us back. So if you think you can spell Punxsutawney, I had to look this up pretty much every time I wrote it for my manuscript and then for my slides. It's a tricky word. So anybody, did anybody try? You want another minute? Nobody tried. All right, well, here you go. Anybody get it? John got it. <laughs> John got it. <laughs> so Punxsutawney, that's Punxsutawney Phil, and Punxsutawney Phil is the most famous of the groundhogs. And so I was... <laughs> I was thinking about Groundhog Day, and the earliest mention of Groundhog Day, apparently, according to the internet, so we know it's true, was February 2nd, 1840, so it's like 100 year, 180 years now that people have been doing this crazy thing with the groundhogs, right? And here's some Groundhog Day facts. Groundhogs are actually woodchucks. I didn't know that. Groundhogs are members of the squirrel family which means, if you're from Kentucky or West Virginia, they're members of the Supper family. <laughs> the first ground, I'm from Oklahoma, it's okay. The first Groundhog Day in Punxsutawney was in 1886. So they stole this from some other town, I don't know who, but they stole it from another town. New York City has a groundhog, they named him Pothole Pete. I guess is fitting with the city. So, Phil sees his shadow about 85% of the time. So, as far as that goes, I don't even know what that means. But <laughs> his predictions, however, are accurate about 39% of the time since 1887. So, don't quit your day job, Phil. And I never understood this. A friend and I were talking about this. It's strange that if he does see his shadow, it's six more weeks. But if he doesn't, it seems like if the sun's out, then spring is coming, right? Does that not seem counterintuitive? 
but they don't ask me about any of these Groundhog Day things, or it'd be Groundhog's Day, right? So, today is Groundhog Day, and it's good to be here. This is Punxsutawney Phil. Phil is a groundhog. Today is Groundhog Day. I used to say Groundhog's Day, but then I started to research on this sermon, and I realized the error of my ways. This, this is Punxsutawney Phil. Phil is a groundhog. Today is Groundhog Day. This is Phil Connors, played by Bill Murray, and he was in a famous movie. You might have heard of it. This is Punxsutawney Phil with Phil Connors. I know. Punxsutawney Phil went for a little ride with Phil Connors. Phil Connors was a weatherman from the big city, and he had to go out and cover Punxsutawney in their little celebration. So he was really begrudging about this. He was really frustrated about it. So he went out to Punxsutawney, and I was reading some commentary on the movie, and it turns out Bill Murray, in his real life, was coming out of a relationship. So he was angsty and frustrated the whole time they were filming it. And if you go and watch it now, you totally see it come out, right? He's mad, and he's frustrated, and he's grumpy all the time. So they get out to Punxsutawney, and they're watching this big celebration and, and the whole time, Phil Connors, played by Bill Murray, is, is just over it, right? He's frustrated, and he's done. He's saying, this is the dumbest town, the dumbest tradition. So he's, he gets everybody in his news crew, and he says, we've got to get out of here the night of February 2nd. We've got to hit the road and get back to the city. And then a blizzard comes in, and they're stuck, right? So they go back into Punxsutawney, and Phil's mad. Phil Connors, not Punxsutawney Phil. He lives there. <laughs> so, so Phil Connors is mad. And then he wakes up the next day. It's February 2nd again. So he kind of is like in this weird deja vu type place. So he kind of goes through his day and he's like, this is weird. This has kind of happened before. But he doesn't know quite how to handle it. So he gets to the end of the day and he just kind of gives up on it. And he says, okay, well, surely this was just a weird dream. And he wakes up again the next day. And the song is Take Your Little Hand in Mine. Is that Sonny and Cher? I don't know. All right. I remember that from childhood. <laughs> Take your little hand in mine. He wakes up to that again, and it's February 2nd again. And so he has entered this loop. And what's really dark in the commentary, they say he might have been in that loop for thousands of years. So he's in this loop of living the same day and the same experiences, the same mistakes. And so eventually he gets creative with it. First he thinks, I've got to get out of this loop. So he tries all these ways to kill himself. He, like, throws a toaster in the bathtub, you know, all the classic... And then he drives the groundhog off of a cliff because he thinks maybe the groundhog is this thing keeping me in this loop. None of it works. He keeps waking up to Sonny and Cher, which is a punishment on its own. And, <laughs> and then he tries all these other things. So he, he starts to say, well, if I'm going to be stuck here, I might as well learn to play the piano. So he goes to this piano lesson. He thinks, if I'm going to be stuck here, I might as well rob this armored car. And he, so he has these distractions timed out. He's got all this money, and he's doing all these things. And he keeps being stuck in the same loop, living the same day over and over again. And he's so upset, and he's so tired of it. <laughs> and, and so this has become kind of a nomenclature right now. If, if something seems to re- be repeating, we'll say, well, we've got kind of a groundhog day on our hands here. It's entered the common lexicon. So Bill Murray single-handedly changed the world in 1993. <laughs> Who knew? And in fact, Punxsutawney now, there's tens of thousands of people that go out to Punxsutawney after the movie has come out to, to see this thing because of the movie. And so it's the power 
of this movie. And, and so what it does is it reveals a lot of times these loops we get caught in, right? This is Punxsutawney Phil. Phil is a groundhog. <laughs> Today is Groundhog Day. I used to say Groundhog's Day for a long time, <laughs> but then I started research on this sermon and I realized the error of my ways. Today is Groundhog Day. This is Punxsutawney Phil. That guy looks a little like Jeff Bridges. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1. You're probably familiar, so I'm going to go ahead and start. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. God said, let there be light. There was light. God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. The darkness he called night. There was evening. There was morning the first day. God said, let there be a vault between waters. Skip down. God saw it was good, there was evening, there was morning the second day. God said, let water be under the sky, be gathered to one place. God saw that it was good, there was evening, there was morning the third day. This repeats all the way till today. <laughs> there's evening and there's morning another day. And so what we see in Genesis chapter 1 is that God is setting up a created order. Things happen in an orderly fashion, so God has created all the things up in the sky, and he's created this earth, and so the earth turns at a rate of approximately 12 hours of sunlight, 12 hours of darkness. Yes, it's different everywhere, but it's about that. It averages out to about that. So this earth turns at this constant rate. The earth also rotates around the sun at somewhat of a constant rate, 365 times. It will turn around in a quarter. So this year we have a leap day. So it, it happens in the same kind of cycle. And then we look out of our windows and we see trees, animals, they all follow a similar kind of cycle. They're awake, they sleep. Trees lose their leaves, eventually they gain their leaves again. So we see these cycles unfold throughout our world. We see the way that it happens. We also see, throughout the Old Testament, we see cycles of humanity. So we see from the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve are in this garden. God has said, you can do anything except don't eat from this tree. And they say, yeah, the fruit looks real good, though. So they eat from the tree, right? And so since then, there are cycles within humanity. Humans go to this place and they say, you know, I would really like to do something that God doesn't want me to do. So I'm going to do that. And then they come to a place and they say, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Now I feel guilty. And they say, God, I don't want to do that thing anymore. So they repent. And then they say, the thing is, <laughs> that tree looks really good to eat. So then they do it again. And, and so we talk about sin a lot of times, but really, I've become persuaded that most sin, maybe all sin, traces back to idolatry. For Adam and Eve, they took a moment and they said, is God God, or do we want to be God? Well, we think we know better, so we should know better. And so they put themselves on the throne of their hearts, and they committed this act of idolatry. And ever since then, humans have been stuck in this cycle, and we see it unfold throughout the Old Testament. Humans will mess up, they'll sin, they'll commit idolatry. Then they'll say, oh, this isn't everything it was cracked up to be. They'll say, I want God to actually be part of my life again. So they'll repent. And then after a few days, a few months, a few years, they'll say, yeah, maybe the sin was actually pretty nice. We see it on individual scale, we see it on group scale. The people of Israel are called out of Egypt. 
They're stuck in this slavery. They're saying, God, let us out of here. So God hears their cry, delivers them from slavery. They get out, and they say, you know, maybe things weren't so bad in Egypt. And then we see the cycle unfold even more. They, They come back to God, they repent, and then they hear one of their rulers saying, you know, we should worship Baal. We should worship Asherah. We should worship these other gods. And they think, you know, maybe that's not too bad of an idea. <laughs> so they do it again. And then they repent. And then they repeat. And they're stuck in this groundhog day of sin over and over and over again. We find ourselves in that same place with them, don't we? This is Punxsutawney Phil. <laughs> Phil is a groundhog. Today is Groundhog Day. I used to say Groundhog's Day, but then I started research on this sermon and I realized the error of my ways. So, this is Punxsutawney Phil. He is a groundhog. Today is Groundhog Day. And that guy looks a little like Jeff Bridges. Turn with me to John chapter 1. So God has watched this unfold. He's watched these humans repeat and repent and repeat and repent. And God is a compassionate and good God. And so into this repent and repeat world, God broke in. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And John very intentionally drew this out to sound like Genesis. The whole idea is this is going to evoke ideas of Genesis in the people that hear this. They're going to think about Genesis when they hear this. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. And and this gets confusing. That's talking about John the Baptist, not John the uh, historically assumed author of this text. So those are different Johns. So uh, just don't be confused about that. John the Baptist. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we've got this signal from the author of John. This is a new creation. This is a new thing that is bursting into life. Just like God began creating things in Genesis 1, now he is doing something new. And so he's signaling that something new is happening. Something like the old thing, but something new, something different. And I want to particularly draw your attention to these two verses, 12 and 13. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So born new. Born new. And so there's this idea that those who trust in the word, Jesus, those who trust in Jesus will be born new. So what does that mean? What does that mean to be born new? And, and, and one of the things is we're going to be evaluating that. And throughout this whole season, we're going to be looking throughout the corpus of John. What that means is we're going to be looking at the Gospel of John, but also 1st, 2nd, 3rd John in the book of Revelation. We're going to be asking what, what is the theme that has been carried out throughout all these texts that are supposed to be by the same author. And so, so how do we understand what they meant when they're talking about this new kind of creation? And we're going to look, there are seven miracles that, account, that happen in the, the Gospel of John. We're going to look at those that are signs pointing towards a new creation. They are not the new creation itself. They're simply signs that point towards that. So we're going to be asking ourselves, what does that mean for us today? How does that influence the way that we live, the way that we act, the way that we breathe, the way we go about our day-to-day? Does it make a difference to our lives? This is Punxsutawney Phil. Phil's a groundhog. Today's Groundhog Day. I used to say Groundhog's Day, then I started prep for this sermon, and I realized the error of my ways. So, that is Punxsutawney Phil. Today is Groundhog Day. And that guy looks a little like Jeff Bridges. How many of us find ourselves in this Groundhog Day of repetition? We've heard the Gospel of John. We've heard the witness that we can be born new. But how many of us find ourselves in the same place over and over and over again. Maybe it's on a personal level. There's just that thing, this thing that we just struggle with, some idolatry where we say that thing is more valuable to me than God himself. And so we, we, we fixate on that thing for some amount of time, and finally we come to a place of guilt and we say, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to repent. And that works day, a week, a month, eventually we find ourselves right back at the altar of the idol that we left. So how many of us hear this whole part about being born new and we think, that sure sounds nice. (laughs) I'd like to do that someday. How often do we believe, or we think we believe, but we don't feel like a new creation? How often are we wondering, where is this new creation in our world? And our lives feel like this repetition. And maybe it's individuals, maybe it's groups, maybe it's marriages and families. Maybe, maybe you've got somebody you're close to, and the conversations you have end up following the same beats. The fights you have are like a groundhog day. And, and you could set your watch by it. This is where, this is where it's going to go over the edge. This is where we're going to say something personal, and it's going to get ugly. Is that what God wants for our lives? this repetition really what he would intend for us? I love this song by Switchfoot. They're singing and, and uh, the whole idea of the song is I dare you to move. And they say the tension is here between who you are and who you could be. How many of us find ourselves in that tension? Tension between the idols and Jesus Christ himself. Tension between the old creation and and the new. The tension between our own groundhog day repetition. Tension is here. So the question is, what will we do about it? This is Punxsutawney Phil. Phil's a groundhog. Today's groundhog day. 
I used to say Groundhog's Day, then I started prep for this sermon, and I realized the error of my ways. This is Punxsutawney Phil. This is Groundhog Day. That guy looks like Jeff Bridges. Revelation chapter 21. We have a little cheat code when it comes to these repetitions. We have a little hint of what it is that God is hoping to do, that God is going to do someday. And so there's a lot of debate about the book of Revelation. One thing is true. There is no S at the end, so please don't say that. <laughs> it's one revelation. <laughs> there's a lot of debate about what this all means, but there is a lot of unity, a lot of uniformity on the fact that, that this Revelation 21 is somewhere out in the future. And, and so I want to encourage you to think about how we talk even. We say, well, we'll go to heaven when we die. The biblical account seems to indicate that we'll all go to a new earth when we die. Someday God will create all things new. And so read with me Revelation chapter 21. All these things have unfolded. All these terrible beasts, these visions, these plagues. And finally it comes to the end. And, and this is John saying this. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And he said, write this down. These words are trustworthy and true. We wonder sometimes what God is doing in the world, what he's doing in the universe, what he's doing in us. This is his goal. This is what he's working towards. He wants to make everything new. He wants to make everything new, wipe away every tear, destroy death, make things as they were always intended to be. This is the path that he starts things on in John chapter 1. And so after Jesus has gone to the cross, he's been crucified and he's been raised, Jesus is called the firstborn of the new creation. So, so the hope is that everything else will be made new in the way that Jesus was made new. We were started to call Christians in the first century, little Christs. And the idea was that all these little Christs were being made new, just like Jesus. So Revelation 21 tells us that the cycle will someday end. No more Groundhog Days. Not Groundhog's Day, Groundhog Days. The cycle will someday end. God is going to put his foot down. He's going to snap his fingers or whatever. He's going to make everything new. It's going to be everything we ever imagined. And so the question is, what do we do in the meantime? Do we leave ourselves in the cycle? Sin, guilt, repent, repeat. Sin, guilt, repent, repeat. Do we leave ourselves there? Does God have something better for us? Someday all creation will be new, like Jesus after his resurrection. John 1 says those who have believed in him are given this opportunity to be born new. So the question is, how do we embrace that? Tension is here between who we are and who we could be. So what does that look like? 
The invitation of God and his son Jesus is to be made new before everything else is. That invitation is to die. This is something I, I wish it weren't true. You know, that, uh, I wish that there was some other thing that Jesus told his followers over and over. But if I, if I had to bank on it, one of the things he told them the most, if you would follow after me, take up your cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life would lose it. So this is the invitation of Jesus. The invitation is not to get everything we've ever wanted. It's not to be whoever we've ever wanted. It is to take everything we have and everything we want to be to his cross with him and to leave it there so that it might die. C.S. Lewis says this, Each day we are becoming a creature of splendid glory or one of unthinkable horror. This is the dilemma for us, right? This is the tension, who we are and who we could be. Are we going to live in these old Groundhog Day cycles? Same Punxsutawney Phil, same as Shadow, going back to winter? Or will we break out of that cycle? And what is it going to take for us to break out of that cycle? Lewis goes on. The terrible thing, the almost impossible thing, is to hand over your whole self, all your wishes and precautions to Christ. This is what he's requesting. This is what he's demanding of us. This is the invitation. The invitation is to give up everything we think we have, everything we think we should have. The invitation is to give our whole selves to him so that we might be born new. And sadly, the the truth is, anything we don't give cannot be born new. Anything we don't turn over to him, well, we get to keep that, I guess. That's the same Groundhog Day repetition. So, this is an alternative cycle we could embrace. We could continue the sin, the idolatry, guilt, repent, repeat, and keep that up. If it's working out for you, then I guess stick with it. But, if we want to be born new, we want to embrace this new creation sooner rather than later, there's an alternative thing we can do can have this sin, this idolatry. We can recognize we're worshiping something, someone other than God. We can feel it deep in our bones. We can have this conviction. And we can take that thing to the cross. And we can leave it there. And we can be made new. And that's what we're going to be exploring this coming season. That's what we're going to be looking at this season. All things new. How do we become this new creation that God has called us to be? Today we're light on practical application. <laughs> I know you're sitting there saying, well, I mean, what does that even mean to die with him? What does that mean to take up my cross? And, and in some ways, we can give you some specifics as we go, but in other ways, this is a journey we all have to un- undertake for ourselves. We all have to ask on a daily basis, God, what is it you're calling me to take to the cross? What is it you're calling me to give up? What part in me needs to die so that I can be new? I'm telling you, <laughs> the Groundhog Day cycle, it's not fulfilling. It's not a good kind of life. But this all things new, this death dying, <laughs> this God wiping every tear from their eyes, this being like Jesus, that sounds pretty great to me. So the tension is here, church, between who we are and who we can be. And the question this year, the question this month, this question this day, 
It's who will we be? Will we be who we were called to be? Or will we be comfortable? Will we be the same? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge your work in us and in this universe, Lord, and we, we want to participate in that. We want to be a part of this. So Lord, give us the trust to take our whole selves to the cross, to submit our ambitions and our wants and our desires to you. Give us the strength to die, Lord, so we can be born new with you. Amen.